Hi, it's Dr. Daniel Williams with the PTSD Academy podcast, episode number 37. Is PTSD real? Now, I have opened up before and spent my very first three podcasts going through in painstaking detail what is PTSD and how it's defined and what it's not and all that. But there's a question that comes before, what is it? How do you researchers and you ivory tower people, what's the government associated political APA definition today of PTSD to get underneath that? Is it really a problem? Do you, do we feel like we have evidence that there are people faking it or malingering or is it really an injury to the organism? And, uh, I teach the multidimensional human model in my books and courses, which is physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional. It's really mind, body, spirit, but it's broken into four categories so that you have more practical things you can do. My saying is that when you have a problem in any one of those areas, physical, mental, spiritual, or emotional, then you can attack it with any of the other three. And I want to teach you as many deep, you know, list of options you could have in each category so you never feel like you're going to run out. So today's topic is PTSD real is definitely fits the mental category in our PMSE paradigm here. And I'll be talking about uh, a web course that teaches some of this. So I'm going to answer the question is PTSD real by telling a story. I was once in East Texas uh, in a country uh, courthouse teaching the drug court, which did a lot of trauma, great trauma evaluations there by someone that I know and was a mentor to me, finally convinced me to read The Body Keeps the Score, which I've talked about a couple episodes ago, was significant in my changing uh, the way I counsel from the way I was taught in school. I was sort of always looking for that. But I got put on the spot there. I was teaching for PTSD, about PTSD. Here's the basic yada yada. I'm right out of school with a slick haircut. Just starting a nonprofit, writing a few books, thinking I'm hot stuff. And this old country like uh, prosecutor guy, he's like, "Is PTSD real, man? Is that just a bunch of horse, you know, Bucky?" He just put me on the spit spot. He wasn't about what is it. There was a more basic question underlying that: Is it real? Come on, because in his line of work. He sees a lot of scoundrels that just lie and malinger and would blame it on their PTSD while they're stealing a TV, you know. <laughs> that happens. And they see the worst of it, the work in those fields. And and I want to say, yeah, and you accumulated it too. He was, he was way overweight. That's a lot of stress weight. So he doesn't even realize the invisible layer, the most invisible layer of trauma wound, which is that spiritual, energetic, you know, faith aspect. It's your brightness. It's your light. It's your ability to turn on your own placebo and begin to heal yourself. So on, when I was put on the spot like this, uh, I only had two references for them that came to mind. And they come from two of the biggest wars that we've ever had in our history that no one can die. No one can deny PTSD ought to have been present if it exists at all. Number one. And number two, that we might get an idea of the proportion of how bad it really was under the worst conditions because you need to know your upper limit. We're aware that at least 6 or 8% of the population's got PTSD, but there are subpopulations. And if you listen to previous episodes, you'll know that 
Children in Alaska have the same rate of PTSD as combat veterans, which is 20 to 30 percent in repeated studies. And so check that episode out if you're curious about children with PTSD. Under the worst conditions, you're going to get 20 to 30 percent with PTSD. But in those wars, it's worse. It tells us that you know, even more do we know that trauma is a full spectrum. It's double in combat. So my references are this. If you don't want to believe me, if PTSD is real, or if you know someone that doesn't think PTSD is real, then have them read these two books or watch the documentaries. But really only in the books do they have a moment where they actually discuss the rate of combat PTSD and shock, uh, mental shock cases on big known battlefields. And there are two that come to mind. One is the Pacific. That HBO special with Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg, they also did Band of Brothers so that you get a picture of what a world war looks like. It doesn't look like the one we're in now, but um, the Pacific in the island of Peleliu, there was a particular battle where the units were trying to get across an open airfield and the artillery had them dialed in. So literally days went by where their friends were just being blown up all around them, around the clock. And they were in a helpless situation. Many of them had an amazing fortitude to make it across that airstrip or try to encourage other people to do it. But what they hint at, they don't hint, what they say right in the middle of that, and they don't spend near enough time on one or two sentences, is that approximately 50% of everyone that was alive and not physically wounded on that airstrip in Peleliu in the island of Pacific in World War II was a shell-shocked, frozen person with trauma all over them, and they were dysfunctional due to mental shock, 50% in Peleliu. We see the same number in the Korean War. So you can read about the Forgotten War or the Korean War, and the same thing happened there. You're talking about... Uh, you know, 100,000 uh, Chinese running over the hill when you got about 3,000 broken people with no ammo and they're frozen to their gear sitting on the side of the hill with no food or water. We lost bad. And 50% were mental shutdown casualties. I mean, <clears throat> the rest of them often fought to the death. But survivors would say such. So that that's a part of history. And of all that's been talked about with the so-called you know, <clears throat> favorite generation or the greatest generation of World War II, you know, all that history in only one line <laughs> in one of the greatest books by the great historical families, the Ambrose families of historians, uh, they should win more literary prizes for their work. That's what I'm going to say there. So I was on a deployment within the last year for a short period of time. And I got to see some classified information, and I got to hang out with some heroes for a minute. So I always wanted to tell you a little bit about that experience now that it's over and everybody's home. So my deployment as a 36th Infantry Division Psychiatrist was with Operation Spartan Shield. I was a consultant overseas, but basically there's a pandemic going on. And during the pandemic, you know, you couldn't... Uh, go anywhere without quarantine two weeks before and after. And so it, it, it shut down a lot of travel, as you've seen throughout the world. So I deployed at the height of that pandemic with the lockdowns and the camps, and I went into the COVID camps voluntarily, giving them encouragement speech, and that was fun.
that was a highlight. And others know that it didn't end well for me and my family. But at the very, very end of the final summary, my wife is healthy. And um, and my unit mostly made it out of there, right? That's kind of what you hope for. So I think we're having a devolving of, of the military. And I'm a little bit pessimistic at the moment myself. So... What I took from a lot of that is, is it's not the virus that was causing the impact. It, it was anxiety on the mission because when you try to get home, you don't know when you're going to come home. It used to always be that you counted the days down until you were out of theater and you knew it was a certain amount of travel time to actually see your family. And now with COVID, you don't know that. And that's a bad slap in the face because you don't know when you're going to be contact traced and have to sit in quarantine for two weeks, you always have a ready go bag for you to sit with, you know, a pair of PT clothes and uh, maybe your laptop and your phone and charger for two weeks in a tent on a cot. And if anyone else in the tent pops positive at the end of the two week on a COVID test, then the entire group sits there for two more weeks. And the longest I saw was a soldier sit there six weeks who never got sick. And left her young child back home months early to go serve her country and was just tied up doing that. So there's a lot of burnout out there. <laughs> so many are losing their jobs and health insurance. The special needs family members are, feel are very personal. Moral injury can creep in when you realize how much of these corporate choices are misinformed or irresponsible. You know, I think we're in World War III right now. So PTSD isn't just going to go away. I think it's here to say, it's to stay. My secret sauce that I would add to this answer is that we're physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional, and there is solid science to support the biofield and energetic layers in, in that, so that we're your body communicates with itself, not just through the nerves, but also through electromagnetic channels and, and such. And so it's complex stuff. It's an entire PhD worth of education that I don't have. My wife is the student and I'm doing continuing medical education credits under the schools I've mentioned and have links to the website uh, on ptsdacademy.com. So is PTSD real? You betcha. I, I coded this episode M for the mental component because it's learning. I just taught you a little bit, gave you some resources. You can mentally understand PTSD better that it's real. And now I hope that you feel more confident in talking to someone who's a naysayer and says, PTSD is a bunch of BS. I don't believe it. So you can point them to that and say, hey, dig into this history and you'll see that on the biggest battlefields, it shuts down half of people. And and in combat veterans, you typically don't see that much. There are ones that are extreme uh, that spend many, many months and years outside of the wire kind of living. But most, uh, statistically speaking, don't spend that kind of time outside of the wire that have seen combat, statistically. Okay? So it is a spectrum. And even in combat scenarios and the abused children and neglected in Alaska by our governments and law enforcement capabilities to give them money to drink alcohol and let the, the, the bullies of these little villages you can only fly into that have two or three hundred people just beaten up and terrorized the women and children in the town when sometimes there's no one else to stop them. So I'll tell you what, you want to prevent trauma? Get in shape. You want to reduce PTSD? Learn martial arts. You want to um, decrease the chance that someone in your family or your loved one 
is going to have to have years of psychotherapy for PTSD because now that you know it's real, you might want to prevent something. Take a handgun class and prepare to defend yourself and your family because the bullies are coming and we are actively rewarding them globally. So you better get ready. The statistics on PTSD are going to shoot through the roof. Shoot through the roof. This COVID thing is not an accident and neither is its response. So get yourself ready. Prepare yourself. Eat right because the healthcare system is actively being shut down and it's not very effective already. In fact, it appears it wasn't intended to be effective. It's intended to maybe, you know, shape a lot of pills and big pharma and some politics and and keep a big disease model going, but it's nothing to do with prevention. There's no education for nutrition in medical education and many things like endocannabinoids, medical marijuana, cannabis and such, and energy medicine and Reiki healing that cures cancer and prevents mice from ever getting cancer for the rest of their long lives just by sending some love energy and touching the cage. They can be injected with cancer cells every day and will not shorten their lifespan. That is kept out of medical education. And folks, don't you think it appears on purpose by this point? I mean, I'm beginning to think the lead that showed up in the toys when I was growing up wasn't an accident, folks. So anyway, I was never much of a conspiracy theorist until Snowden came out and I realized there's really our cameras watching us. (laughs) All right. Be careful. Be safe. And take care. This is Dr. Dan with the PTSD Academy Podcast.